Lemoyne, you may be on mute. <laughs> you, you are so right. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> okay, try this again. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to J cim.net where if you mouse over the link on the top menu bar for online edition you will see the link to read ACIMOE below that same top menu choice of online edition there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today, we're continuing our reading in the Manual for Teachers with Section 13. What is the real meaning of sacrifice? And at the top of the hour, we will pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. That lesson today is lesson 349. Today, I let Christ's vision look upon all things for me and judge them not but give each one a miracle instead. And uh, I turn to you now, Lori. Got the high beam opening for us this morning. Are you on mute, LeMoyne? Um, I don't think so. Maybe I did mute my... There we go. Um, yes. I think, uh, I think Lori might be on mute. Was it, was it me? Yeah. I might be bouncing Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was you. That, it was you. That means... <laughs> That means that I missed you asking me if I had yep. an opening. Right. Today of all days, yeah, we heard it. I've been saving. We heard it. I, I've been saving this one, you guys, for several days, oh, um, okay. and and so I'm really happy. Uh, I must have been nervous about hearing it, um, but here it is. I found this translation of the Lord's Prayer from the Aramaic directly into English without going first to Greek and then Latin. So it's maybe a little different than any you've heard before, but I think it captures uh, today's lesson so beautifully. Here's the prayer. 
O cosmic birther of all radiance and vibration, soften the ground of our being and carve out a space within us where your presence can abide. Fill us with your creativity so that we may be empowered to bear the fruit of your mission. Let each of our actions bear fruit in accordance with our desire. Endow us with the wisdom to produce and share what each being needs to grow and flourish. <coughs> untie, <coughs> excuse me, untie the tangled threads of destiny that bind us as we release others from the entanglement of past mistakes. Do not let us be seduced by that which would divert us from our true purpose, but illuminate the opportunities of the present moment. For you are the ground and the fruitful vision, the birth, power, and fulfillment as all is gathered and made whole once again. And so it is. Amen. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Could you send me a copy of that in the text? Would that be really hard for me to do? Not at all. Oh, man. I will be happy to. So gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you, Lori. I would love to share that with us. Thank you. It was a great find, and I'm really happy it was given me. Thanks for letting me share it. Thank you very much, Lord. Okay. This morning I have my list of lists. <laughs> I've got uh, reading. At, with us in reading, I have Fran, Lana, Lori, Jessica, Karen, and Robin Marie. And with us in listening, at least, oops, I, I left off duty after Robin Marie. And with us in the listening for now is Harris. Is there anyone else who's joined the call and like to say good morning and uh, perhaps join the reading list? Good morning. This is Jennifer. Good morning, everybody. And uh, if you need a reader, I can read. Okay. you right there for Judy. Jennifer, welcome. Good morning, Lemoyne. All right, well, I'll go ahead and get us started then with uh, Section 13 of the Manual for Teachers. What is the real meaning of sacrifice? Although in truth the term sacrifice is altogether meaningless, it does have meaning in the world. Like all things in the world, 
its meaning is temporary and will ultimately fade into the nothingness from which it came when there is no more use for it. Now its real meaning is a lesson. Like all lessons, it is an illusion, for in reality there is nothing to learn. Yet this illusion must be replaced by a corrective device. Another illusion that replaces the first so both can finally disappear. The first delusion, which must be displaced before another's thought system can take hold, is that it is a sacrifice to give up the things of this world. What could this be but an illusion, since this world itself is nothing more than that? And friends. Section 13, what is the real meaning of sacrifice? Although in truth the term sacrifice is altogether meaningless, it does have meaning in the world. Like all things in the world, its meaning is temporary and will ultimately fade into the nothingness from which it came when there is no more use for it. Now its real meaning is a lesson. Like all lessons, it is an illusion for in reality there is nothing to learn. Yet this illusion must be replaced by a corrective device, another illusion that replaces the first, so both can finally disappear. The first illusion, which must be displaced before another thought system can take hold, is that it is a sacrifice to give up the things of this world. What could this be but an illusion, since this world itself is nothing more than that? Two, it takes great learning both to realize and to accept the fact that the world has nothing to give. What can the sacrifice of nothing mean? It cannot mean that you have less because of it. There is no sacrifice in the world's terms that does not involve the body. Think a while about what the world calls sacrifice. Power, fame, money, physical pleasure, who is the hero to whom all these things belong? Could they mean anything except to the, a body? Yet a body cannot evaluate. By seeking after such things, the mind associates itself with the body, obscuring its identity and losing sight of what it really is. Thank you, Fran. And Lana. Okay, um, two, it takes great learning both to realize and to accept the fact that the world has nothing to give. What can the sacrifice of nothing mean? It cannot mean that you have less because of it. There is no sacrifice in the world's terms that does not involve the body. Think a while about what the world calls sacrifice. Power, fame, money, physical pleasure. Who is the hero to whom all these things belong? Could they mean anything except to a body? Yet a body cannot evaluate. By seeking after such things, the mind associates itself with the body 
obscuring its identity and losing sight of what it really is. Three, once this confusion has occurred, it becomes impossible for the mind to understand that all the, in quotes, pleasures of the world are nothing. But what a sacrifice, and it is sacrifice indeed, all this entails. Now has the mind condemned itself to seek without finding, to be forever dissatisfied and discontented, to know not what it really wants to find. Who can escape this self-condemnation? Only through God's word could this be possible. For self-condemnation is a decision about identity, and no one doubts what he believes he is. He can doubt all things, but never this. Well, thank you, Lana and Lori. Oh, let's see, I think back up. By seeking after such things in the world, the mind associates itself with the body, obscuring its identity and losing sight of what it really is. Once this confusion has occurred, it becomes impossible for the mind to understand that all the so-called pleasures of the world are nothing. But what a sacrifice, and it it is a sacrifice indeed, all this entails. Now has the mind condemned itself to seek without finding, to be forever dissatisfied and discontented, to know not what it is it really wants, excuse me, to know not what it really wants to find. Who can escape this self-condemnation? Only through God's word could this be possible. For self-condemnation is a decision about identity. And no one doubts what he believes he is. He can doubt all things, but never this. Four, God's teachers can have no regret on giving up the pleasures of the world. Is it a sacrifice to give up pain? Does an adult resent the giving up of children's toys? Does one whose vision has already glimpsed the face of Christ look back with longing on a slaughterhouse? No one who has escaped the world and all its ills looks back on it with condemnation. Yet must he rejoice that he is free of all the sacrifice which its value would demand of him. To them, he sacrifices all his freedom. To them, he sacrifices all his peace. And to possess them, must he sacrifice his hope of heaven and the remembrance of his Father's love? Who in his sane mind chooses nothing as a substitute for everything? Thank you, Lori. And Karen. Oops. Jessica. Oops. Yeah, Yeah. you're correct. Okay, paragraph four. God's teachers can have no regret 
on giving up the pleasures of the world. Is it a sacrifice to give up pain? Does an adult resent the giving up of children's toys? Does one whose vision has already glimpsed the face of Christ look back with longing on a slaughterhouse? No one who has escaped the world and all its ills looks back on it with condemnation. Yet he must rejoice that he is free of all the sacrifice which his value would demand of him. To them he sacrifices all his freedom. To them he sacrifices all his peace. And to possess them must he sacrifice his hope of heaven and remembrance of his father's love. Who in his sane mind chooses nothing as a substitute for everything? Five, what is the real meaning of sacrifice? It is the cost of believing in illusions. It is the price that must be paid for the denial of truth. There is no pleasure of the world that does not demand this. For otherwise, the pleasure would be seen as pain. And no one asks for pain if he recognizes it. It is the idea of sacrifice that makes him blind. He does not see what he is asking for. And so he seeks it in a thousand ways and in a thousand places, each time believing it is there and each time disappointed in the end. Seek but do not find remains this world's stern decree, and no one who pursues the world's goals can do otherwise. Thank you, Jessica. And now, Karen. Five. What is the real meaning of sacrifice? It is the cost of believing in illusions. It is the price that must be paid for the denial of truth. There is no pleasure of the world that does not demand this. For otherwise, the pleasure of the world would be seen as pain. And no one asks for pain if he recognizes it. It is the idea of sacrifice that makes him blind. He does not see what he is asking for, and so he seeks it in a thousand ways and a thousand places, each time believing it is there, and each time disappointed in the end. Quote, seek but do not find, unquote remains the world's stern decree. And no one who pursues the world's goal, the world's goals, can do otherwise. Six, you may believe this course requires sacrifice of all you really hold dear. In one sense, that is true. For you hold dear the things that crucify God's Son. And it is the course's aim to set him free. But do not be mistaken about what sacrifice means. It always means the giving up of what you want. And what, O teacher of God, is it that you want? 
You have been called by God, and you have answered. Would you now sacrifice that call? Few have heard it as yet, and yet they can but turn to you. There is no other hope in all the world that they can trust. There is no other voice in all the world that echoes God's. If you would sacrifice the truth, they stay in hell. And if they stay, you will remain with them. Well, thank you, Karen and Robin Marie. Thanks. You may believe this course requires sacrifice of all you really hold dear. In one sense, that is true, for you hold dear the things that crucify God's Son. And it is the course's aim to set him free. But do not be mistaken about what sacrifice means. It always means the giving up of what you want. And what, O teacher of God, is it that you want? You have been called by God, and you have answered. Would you now sacrifice that call? Few have heard it as yet, and they can but turn to you. There is no other hope in all the world that they can trust. There is no other voice in all the world that echoes God's. If you would sacrifice the truth, they stay in hell. And if they stay, you will remain with them. Seven, do not forget that sacrifice is total. There are no, quote, half sacrifices, unquote. You cannot give up heaven partially. You cannot be a little bit in hell. The word of God has no exception. It is this that makes it holy and beyond the world. It is its holiness that points to God. It is its holiness that makes you safe. It is denied if you attack any brother for anything. For it is here. The split with God occurs. A split that is impossible, a split that cannot happen, yet a split in which you surely will believe because you have set up a situation that is impossible. And in this situation, the impossible can seem to happen. It seems to happen at the, quote, sacrifice, unquote, of truth. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Judy. Thank you, Lemoyne. Do not forget that sacrifice is total. There are no half sacrifices. You cannot give up heaven partially. You cannot be a little bit in hell. The word, the capital word of God has no exceptions. It is this that makes capital it holy and beyond the world. It is capital its holiness that points to God. It is capital its holiness that makes you safe. 
it is denied if you attack any brother for anything. For it is here the split with God occurs. A split that is impossible. A split that cannot happen. Yet, a split in which you surely will believe because you have set up a situation that is impossible. And in this situation, the impossible can seem to happen. It seems to happen at the, quote, sacrifice, unquote, of truth. Teacher of God, do not forget the meaning of sacrifice. And remember, what each decision you make must mean in terms of cost. Decide for God, and everything is given you at no cost at all. Decide against him, and you choose nothing at the expense of the awareness of everything. What would you teach? Remember only what you would learn, for it is here that your concern should be. Atonement is for you. Your learning claims it, and your learning gives it. The world contains it not, but learn this course, and it is yours. God holds out capital his word to you, for he has need of teachers. What other way is there to save his son? Thank you, Judy. And Jennifer. Eight. Teacher of God. Do not forget the meaning of sacrifice and remember what each decision you make must mean in terms of cost. Decide for God and everything is given you at no cost at all. Decide against him and you choose nothing at the expense of the awareness of everything. What would you teach? Remember only what you would learn, for it is here that your concern should be. Atonement is for you. Your learning claims it, and your learning gives it. The world contains it not. <clears throat> but learn this course, and it is yours. God holds out his word to you for he has need of teachers. What other way is there to save his son? Well, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, everyone who's read and listening. I I would prefer to read this again, one paragraph at a time, rather than try to summarize it. I don't know how y'all feel. I think we have time. Oh, great idea. 
That's good. Yeah. Good idea. Uh, I'll do it. Great. Okay. Um. This is Mindy. I'll volunteer too if I can be a little bit further down the list. Oh, all right. I was just about to say we'll to call for new readers and put them first, but we can I can put you further down. And uh um so is there any change? Does anyone need to drop out? Or uh, Harrison, do you want to read now? Try. Okay. Paragraph well, at a time. Yeah, one paragraph at a time, and uh, I could drop out to let those others in. All right, Robin Marie. Thank you. Um, let's start with Harrison, then with paragraph one. And uh, I'll basically reverse the order from there. So, Harrison, would you start us off with the title and first paragraph? Change the rule in sacrifice. So, in truth, the term sacrifice is together meaningless. Does have meaning for all. Causings in the world. meaning temporary will ultimately fade into the nothingness in which it came. There is no more it. Um, real meaning lesson. All lessons is illusion. In reality, it's nothing to learn. Illusion must be replaced by Restive device, another illusion that replaces the first. Both finally appear. First illusion must be displaced before another thought system can take hold. That is a sacrifice to give up the things of this world. Could this be an illusion? Is this world self nothing more than that illusion? It takes great learning both to realize and to accept the fact 
that the world has nothing to give. What can the sacrifice of nothing mean? It cannot mean that you have less because of it. There is no sacrifice in the world's terms that does not involve the body. Think a while about what the world calls sacrifice. Power, fame, money, physical pleasure. Who is the hero to whom all these things belong? Could they mean anything except to a body? Yet a body cannot evaluate by seeking after such things. The mind associates itself with the body, obscuring its identity and losing sight of what really is past. Once this confusion has occurred, it becomes impossible for the mind to understand that all the so-called pleasures of the world are nothing. But what a sacrifice, and it is a sacrifice indeed, all this entails. Now has the mind condemned itself to seek without finding, to be forever dissatisfied and discontented, to know not what it really wants to find. Who can escape this self-condemnation? Only through God's word could this be possible. For self-condemnation is a decision about identity, and no one doubts what he believes he is. He can doubt all things, but never this. Thank you, Jessica and Judy. Thank you. God's teachers can have no regret on giving up the pleasures of the world. Is it a sacrifice to give up pain? Does an adult resent the giving up of children's toys? Does one whose vision has already glimpsed the face of Christ look back with longing on a slaughterhouse? No one who has escaped the world and all its ills looks back on it with condemnation. Yet he must rejoice that he is free of all the sacrifices which its values would demand of him. To them, he sacrifices all his freedom. To them, he sacrifices all his peace. And to possess them, must he sacrifice his hope of heaven and remembrance of his Father's love? Who in his sane mind chooses nothing as a substitute for everything? Ooh, wee. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. And Mindy? Did you just call Mindy? Yes. Paragraph five. Thank you. Right there. Excuse me. Oops, I just bypassed it. Thank you for your patience. What is the real meaning of sacrifice? It is the cost of believing in illusions. 
It is the price that must be paid for the denial of truth. There is no pleasure of the world that does not demand this, for otherwise the pleasure would be seen as pain. And no one asks for pain if he recognizes it. It is the idea of sacrifice that makes him blind. He does not see what he is asking for. And so he seeks it in a thousand ways and in a thousand places, each time believing it is there and each time disappointed in the end. Quote, seek but do not find, end quote, remains this world's stern decree. And no one who pursues the world's goals can do otherwise. Thank you, Mindy. And Karen. Next. You may believe, excuse me, you may believe this course requires sacrifice of all you really hold dear. In one sense, that is true. For you hold dear the things that crucify God's Son. And it is the Course's aim to set him free. But do not be mistaken about what sacrifice means. It always means the giving up of what you want. And what, O teacher of God, is it that you want? You have been called by God. And you have answered. Would you now sacrifice that call? Few have heard it as yet, and they can but turn to you. There is no other hope in all the world that they can trust. There is no other voice in all the world that echoes God's. If you would sacrifice the truth, they stay in hell. And if they stay, you will remain with them. Thank you, Karen. And Lori. Do not forget that total. There are no so-called half-sacrifices. You cannot give up heaven partially. You cannot be a little bit in hell. The Word of God has no exceptions. It is this that makes it whole and beyond the world. It is its holiness that points to God. It is its holiness. Not if you attack. For it occurs. A split that is impossible. A split that cannot happen yet a split in which you will surely believe because you have set up a situation that is impossible. And in this situation, the impossible can seem to happen. It seems to happen at the so-called sacrifice of truth. Um, Well, you broke up a little bit there, Lori, so I'm going to ask Lana, would you reread seven? And then we'll- oh, sure, sure. Do not forget that sacrifice is total. There are no, in quotes, 
have sacrifices. You cannot give up heaven partially. You cannot be a little bit in hell. The word of God has no exceptions. It is this that makes it holy and beyond the world. It is its holiness that points to God. It is its holiness that makes you safe. It is denied if you attack any brother for anything, for it is here the split with God occurs, a split that is impossible, a split that cannot happen, yet a split in which you surely will believe because you have set up a situation that is impossible. And in this situation, the impossible can seem to happen. It seems to happen at the sacrifice, in quotes, of truth. Thank you, Lana and Fran. Teacher of God, do not forget the meaning of sacrifice and remember what each decision you make must mean in terms of cost. Decide for God, and everything is given you at no cost at all. Decide against him, and you choose nothing at the expense of the awareness of everything. What would you teach? Remember only what you would learn, for it is here that your concern should be. Atonement is for you. Your learning claims it, and your learning gives it. The world contains it not. But learn this course, and it is yours. God holds out his word to you, for he has need of teachers. What other way is there to save his son? Thank you, Brent. And uh, I'll just go right ahead and thank you again for leading leading the lesson every day and ask everyone to give your attention to Fran as she leads us through uh, lesson 349 and what a miracle this morning. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook and what is a miracle is our theme for today. And we have lesson 349. Today, I let Christ's vision look upon all things for me and judge them not, but give each one a miracle of love instead. Sasha, so read something what is a miracle, and then we'll go to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What is a miracle? The miracle is taken first on faith because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot see and does not understand. Yet faith will bring its witnesses to show that what it rested on is really there. Unless the miracle will justify your faith in it and show it rested on a world more real than what you saw before, a world redeemed from what you thought you saw. Miracles fall like drops of healing rain from heaven on a dry and dusty world where starved and thirsty creatures come to die. Now they have water. Now the world is green. And everywhere, the signs of life spring up to show 
that what is born can never die. For what has life has immortality. We'll go over to our lesson. Lesson 349. Today, I let Christ's vision look upon all things for me and judge them not, but give each one a miracle of love instead. So I would liberate all things I see and give to them the freedom that I seek. For thus do I obey the law of love and give what I would find and make my own. It will be given me because I have chosen it as the gift I want to give. Father, your gifts are mine. Each one that I accept gives me a miracle to give. In giving as I would receive, I learn your healing miracles belong to me. Our Father knows our needs. He gives us grace to meet them all. And so we trust in him to send us miracles to bless the world and heal our minds as we return to him. Lesson 349. Today, I let Christ's vision look upon all things for me and judge them not, but give each one a miracle of love instead. Five minutes.
Lesson 349. Today, I let Christ's vision look upon all things for me and judge them not, but give each one a miracle of love instead. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Words in this lesson for me. Is what to see and what not to see. Exclude the reach is irrelevant. It's only that which I choose to see. different way nothing to do with the body's eyes everything to do Specifically, and I share nothing to do with the brain, nothing to do with the body whatsoever. It's about things through the eyes of Christ. The eyes of Christ sees not judge. Is Christ see only God is I like Christ's vision 
built upon all things for me. Who should this? Budge. Not judge anything I see is totally contrary early always making choices about what I see how I see it see automatically this tells me there is another way of looking at the world that way is through vision Christ's vision I judge nothing that I see Good and I do that judging oh. and to see myself as God created me. that creates is a reflection of himself. This love. Christ's vision looks upon all things with love. by giving one a miracle of great practice yes today Oh, thank you, Harrison. That oh, was yeah. so complete. Yes, thank, thank you, so you Harrison. Harrison. That was lovely. Well, good morning. It's Lana. Um, uh, this section of today, um, you know, it reminds me again that I, when I look backwards, looking backwards um, at my life, I can get a pretty clear picture of my 
forward progress, my spiritual progress, because what I notice um, is um, even without trying or seeming, without conscious awareness of trying, um, certain things that used to have such great meaning to me and be of such importance have so diminished and and, um, and are no longer in competition with God because I think for me that's what it's about. It's about when something I bring, <clears throat> I well, I notice that I brought something, I've risen something up to a status that distracts me from God and it could be a person or a thing doesn't matter or you know power money a special relationship when I notice that um, I've given it a status that distracts me from God from my truth in God I I realize I've made an idol of it and um, that's really all I need to do is notice what I notice that that's what's happening or that's what's occurred because it's not through my trying or doing battle with um, illusions that anything can be accomplished. But when I notice that that's what my mind has done, I can, through the atonement and through forgiveness, I can choose again. I can choose differently. And and I often say that the Course is doing me as much as I'm doing it because as long as my focus is clear and my focus is in always choosing truth and God in any situation, then that which is unreal will naturally fade away. And even though I might have given money or a person a special status. What brings it to my attention is usually the pain and the suffering <laughs> associated with it. Uh, that's usually the uh, indicator that I've chosen wrongly. So Jesus makes it real simple. He just says, well, he's given me this choose once again option. Um, and thank God for it, um, where I can notice I've chosen wrongly. I've given something an import I've given I've made up something which seems to have as much power and and um importance in my life as God. And and I notice that, you know, especially, you know, in romantic relationships or uh, or when there's a feeling of scarcity, all of a sudden money becomes a god to me. All of a sudden a person becomes a god to me. And I lose sight of what is real and what is not. So it's not, I don't have to judge myself because that's just part of, <laughs> part of the healing and learning process is to notice these things occurring, not to judge myself for them but to notice that I've chosen wrongly and simply to choose again. And then, you know, it's like where Jesus says that, um, tells us that mind is the activating agent of spirit. 
once I point my mind in the direction of God, once I choose God, it activates spirit, and spirit takes care of all the undoing. It takes care of all the healing, and it brings to my present and conscious awareness what is real, what is not, what is important and what is not, and all the sense of sacrifice or pain that I've associated with it is healed in the process being an effect of it. You know, so um, sacrifice is just something I've invented to label an emotion or a feeling I don't like, and it's usually associated with fear. So, again, it's like just returning my mind to God, doing a U-turn, and then God just steps in and does the rest. I have to just make that choice, that unequivocal choice for God. Um, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. It's a powerful um, reading today and also the lesson too. Uh, the lesson just reminded me of what we read the other day about judgment, relinquishment of judgment, and that judgment is impossible. <laughs> so I even attempted. Um, I'm complete. Wow, Lana, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Good morning, I'm really riding that that train with you today, Lana. You know that I cannot see alone. This um, lesson really reminds me, you know, I'm Judy by herself is an instrument of perception, looking through the body's eyes and all that the senses report to her brain and her mind are interpreted alone and in solitude, that she alone is an instrument of perception. And I was really going, taking a deep dive with this, you know, trying to reason this stuff out and um, looking at how doing a perception and how perception can totally end. And it's only through the means that God has given us, the means of Christ's vision, which they speak of, the Course speaks of as being the ticket out of perception. So I join my mind with Christ's mind. It's a loving mind, and I say, look on these things for me. Look on everything for me. And I can feel my heart opening up, my mind opening up, and letting the judgment of perception All perception is judgment. It's all evaluation. It's all comparing colors, contrast, size, and shapes. That's what perception is. The difference between perception and knowledge was really ringing ringing out loud and clear to me this morning because the, the idea that I give my heart and mind to Christ and say, look for me, look for me, the way that it speaks up in the lesson. Look for me. Now, me is the mini-me, Judy. And, and, and then I'm still, I'm still with them. I'm not going to take, take the judging back just because I'm looking. Now, I'm, I'm going to watch my thinking because, you know, I was on a phone call yesterday and, or a Zoom call yesterday, and I was listening, looking and listening and receiving. 
and I'm thinking judgmental thoughts about what people were sharing. And I'm thinking, watch your thoughts like a hawk because this is so quick and so fast and so subtle that you're not even watching these thoughts come and go, come and go. But they're cumulative. And within like 10 judgmental thoughts, I could... I could feel myself thinking, oh, I don't want to be on this call anymore. <laughs> so I caught myself in the act, you know, the the um, the Jude judgment, Judge Judy happening in real time. So, um, and then I said, you know, be with me. Take this from me and, and judge it for me. And, the, and then the, the next part of the lesson that speaks of freedom that I free, I freed everybody on that that Zoom call to be who they were without me thinking anything about them. So Judy's thinking goes right right out of the picture. Judy's got an empty and open, unsealed mind where the truth can come in. Now I'm listening with an open mind and an open heart, and I really start enjoying the Zoom call. So you know the practice. The practice, the practical, the practicality of this, and um, how God relieves me of Judy—you know, the bondage to being an instrument of perception, something that we're, you know, is something that judgment is so overlearned that it's habitual, and even after I'm completely aware um, of the fact that I'm doing it, it's still still happening. Still happening, still happening. But um, that I have a kingdom I must rule, that my kingdom is the kingdom of God, is the kingdom of love. And, um, you know, this text reading and the lesson today went hand in hand for me. Um, this thing about sacrifice and giving up what, what we want, what we think we want. This is... And I don't know where this came from in the book, but somewhere I, I read it and wrote it down a number of times. The ego thinks it knows what it wants, thinks it knows what it needs. And the difference between that and what I really want, being a spirit, whole and complete, knowing I don't need or want anything except love, that's where the conflict is between what Judy wills, what she thinks she wants, all these things that she perceives in the world is outside of herself. Always seeking, always trying to find what's next on the shopping list. What's ne- what, what am I going to grasp for next? What am I seeking to find? And the, and the, but what do I really need? What do I really want? And the Course says right up front, the only lack that I have, if I feel coming from a feeling of lack or inadequacy, that the only thing that I need is to remind myself of the truth. And the, re- the reading in the text speaks of this sacrifice of the truth, that I've sacrificed my oneness. It's the only sacrifice that has any meaning in truth. But even, even still, it sacrifices meaningless because... I can't sacrifice that. I can only think I can sacrifice that. <laughs> and isn't God great and grand and, and just so full of love that he, 
He doesn't ever let me get away from him. There's no getting away from the love of God. It's just perfect, the way he has the whole thing set up. And, you know, I'm, when I was a child, I loved God like a child. But there was a lot I didn't understand about it. And now that I'm an adult and I can reason things out and things make sense to me, common sense, easy to understand, simple to understand, that anybody can understand. The truth is obvious, that God is in everything. He's given us everything because he's given us himself. It's one great big identity, God having a party with himself, love the universal call of love to love to be itself. But God is love in everything. God is in everything. Love is in everything. And the universal call, the universal will, the universal love. There's just no getting out of it. So, um, you know, how I can, how I can uh, judge any of it, I can't. It's impossible. And why would I want to spoil such a perfect plan? Amen. I'm complete. Loving, loving God large today. <laughs> Full of joy and peace. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thanks so much. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. That was really wonderful and so helpful. Everything God is everywhere. God is everything. One one last little tidbit. This whole thing about temporary, um, how we are changeless, eternal, peace, love, joy, happiness, that's our changeless state. And in the beginning of the text, it talks about the, the Garden of Eden, which wasn't really a place. And it was a state of mind where man didn't need or want anything because he knew everything was there that he needed and wanted and that he was cared for and loved. So I, that came out of my meditation this morning, um, that heaven's a state of mind, the Garden Eden is a state of mind, um, that our reality is in a state of grace forever, you know, that all these beautiful, lovely ideas are all-encompassing and 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 wrap in wrap in wrapping us up like one <laughs> heaven. I mean, I was thinking about the word heaven today and how casually I use it and and sitting down really and thinking about it. What does that word heaven mean? What does it actually mean? God God says heaven is my reality. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is my capital reality. So think on, think on that a little bit. I'm complete. Thank you. Good morning, Karen. A uh, couple things. 
I really wanted to um, comment on Lana's share because she was talking about how things come up in our minds that distract us from God's reality and the truth. And I've been having a lesson for a couple of weeks now, and the longer it's gone on, the bigger and harder it's gotten to deal with, and that is body identification. You know, when the body is so sort of behaving itself, you know, a certain amount of pain is tolerable, certain amount of, you know, limitation from a physical, in a physical sense. It, it occurred to me this morning that it's like an emotion. Only we're talking physical stuff right now. In emotions, when I had a long history of terror, the terror would arise and then my mind just could not turn over to a different subject. I couldn't change the channel. If the terror was there, it captivated me. And, you know, I was either watching it, waiting for it to go away, or expecting it to get worse, or, you know, um, telling a story about it, or trying to fight it, battle it. And so this past couple of weeks, it's been being sick and and it's just so distracting even though I know this is body identification which means it's my ego which means it's not real it's not the truth of me because I'm spirit and uh, you know I've experienced my spaceship self I've experienced um, my divine self the higher self the the love, the peace, all of the attributes of the divine. I've had those experiences. But even still, it was, it's been a really difficult thing to disidentify from this constant distraction. It's just been a constant gnawing distraction. And I liked in the beginning of the reading this morning, it said, what is the sacrifice? The sacrifice is an illusion. And illusions are of the world, and the world isn't real, so obviously illusions are not real. You know, they only exist in the world, and they, they don't exist at all because the whole world is an illusion. I mean, it's like a, walk, a walking it back. And it said that one of the biggest um, self-identifiers with sacrifice is the body, and as I've explained in the past, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in ashram life, and you can't even begin to imagine the sacrifices that are, are required in that environment when it comes to the body. You know, bugs crawling on you, like sand flies, that, fleas that are living on you all the time in all your clothes, um, you know, a lack of sleep. Uh, no control over food, uh, not even w- when you're working, not even having the ability to go and use the restroom or have a drink of water or anything. I mean, and it's, it's relentless. And then you add India to it. And I thought, you know, it's just, it's just the way that that particular spiritual path is teaching people to disidentify from the body. I can't be tired because I'm spirit. I can't be hungry because I'm spirit. And a lot of getting sick and a lot of all these other things 
And there's a, there's a game called the angel game, and it's called the transformation game. And the first level of the game, you go around the board. The first level is the physical level. The second level is the emotional level. The third level is the mental level. And then you get to your spiritual self. And it's kind of like the Course in Miracles, I was thinking about it, is really the third level. It's the mental level. It's the deconstruction of the false reality and, and the acceptance and learning of the true reality. And in other community that I was in for a long time, we meditated. It was Raja Yoga. It was all meditation. But the more that you meditate, the less the ego mind, the louder, the softer and quieter the ego mind becomes, the louder the truth becomes, and then you just absorb the reality of the truth. Uh, you, don't, you don't have the, the tools quite as well as in The Course in Miracles because you may lose your ego temporarily, but you won't know why. You won't know how. And if you lose it for a long time, you, don't have the, you can't go back to, how did I get here? Unless you meditate many years again. Anyway, one more thing. Um, on this lesson today, I, I really felt it was so profound because it said Christ's vision. If I see through Christ's vision without judgment, then a miracle of love can happen is my reality. Uh, a miracle is a correction, and love is the truth. So when I see through Christ's vision, a miracle of truth, a correction to truth and love occurs. Um, yesterday I went to get acupuncture, and the person is a spiritual master soul, master soul, you know, but it cost me money. I have a copay. It cost me gas and tolls, and it's a really tough drive. You know, it's a really, really tough drive traffic-wise. And I, and I realized this morning that my ego mind is processing my life. It's like a, uh, a filter that even though I think I'm, oh, I'm surrendered and I'm being guided and all that, it isn't true. The ego mind is very subtle, and it's, it sees what I do as a contractual relationship. Is it worth this much effort? Is it worth the money? And so I was on the table, and I asked him, you know, what is he doing? Like, was he determining the treatment plan for yesterday on the basis of my pulses? And did it have to, to do with a statement he made the week before or the time before about um, my liver function? And he looked at me and he said, uh, it doesn't work like that. He said, my mind doesn't work like that. He said, I just, um, I don't process what to do. I listen to the, to the guide inside. And it was such a correction. It's like that's the way to walk through life. It isn't to have some, um, some processing mechanism, which is my ego mind, in, imposing itself on my life. It's really that receptivity. Not, he knows everything about the organs and the different flows, and he's written a he, he wrote a textbook for acupuncture. He teaches in China. He teaches in Japan. He speaks Chinese. I mean, he's like super, super, super spiritually evolved. But that's the point. The, 
The higher and more spiritual we become, the less we rely on the ego mind. The more we walk through life with that Christ vision. And the Christ vision doesn't process what's going on. That processing of the ego mind is imposing a falsehood on everything. And I have the same dynamic going on with my with my older sister. She's imposing, oh, it's about the money and it's about, she sees all these ulterior motives and and they're not there. My younger sister is doing what she's doing as a savior to God, as Maha Seva, the greatest Seva in your Dharma is to serve God. And that's what my younger sister is doing, but my older sister is seeing it through the eyes of the ego. And I couldn't see what I do. I couldn't see how I do that in my life until this experience yesterday. It's such a correction that even to the extent that I think, oh, this is just neutral, you know, but nothing is neutral. That the ego mind is, is habitual and it's conditioned. And to be more aware of it is to be released with, from it more and more. I think that's enough. Thank you for letting me share. I'm complete. Well, that's a great description of veil lifting, Karen. Thank you very much. Oh, that was wonderful, Karen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. That was so insightful. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Um, I love your shares. Uh, thank you to everybody else as well, all your shares prior and uh, facilitating the call. This is Jennifer. Um, so I have like this uh, uh, active experiment. I'm calling myself the experiment when I come home from work now. <laughs> and how it pertains to the lesson today, um, how truth pertains to it is um, just looking at how in the past, I've suffered because, um, and and where the sacrifice is in choosing suffering, uh, which is addiction. And it could be addicted to thinking judgmentally about others. Uh, Netflix, it could be food. Uh, it could be a whole number of things, shopping. But when I come home... Um, it's it's thinking. It could be it could be food. Uh, it could be well, basically those two things when I come home. And so, right now, the experiment is to be conscious and to look at: is it really a sacrifice to put down addiction, even in the smallest form? Uh, and and listen to God. Put down the judgment uh, of others and myself and listen to God. And <clears throat> so what's happening is, and even with me just saying that, I actually heard a judgment. I have a body, <laughs> like judging the judge. Okay, so kind of, I'm going to connect to my heart right now and not just be in my head with this communication because I think that's where God is. 
it's so easy for me to be in my head with the ego, with the outer world, uh, dictating what's the next step to deny, um, not not see things. Um, uh, well, well anyway, moving forward, to not uh, what what can I deny and not face because it's painful. But what I'm what's happening for me right now is I come home and I say. Oh, good. I get to relax now. I get to be present and not judge the next right action. And what it looks like is, I think I said this analogy yesterday, like a chicken sitting on an egg. Um, I can be quite impulsive, uh, which is a form of of response to um, stress or a want and I'm looking at um, anything that I'm wanting. It's really, uh, when, it, when I'm just in my head, it's not, or maybe at all, <laughs> it's, it's not serving me or anybody else. And I'm disconnected from love. So I had an instance last night where I went to go put some honey in my, my tea uh, and I had this, I, I had this unconsciousness, like Karen was talking about, this filter. And you know, I could afford the calories. I'm doing good. But I, I said to myself, I'm like, oh wait, wait, wait. Do I really need this? Is this really serving me? And what I heard was, no. Put it, put it down, put it down, uh, in a very gentle, loving way. And and so I did, and that's what my thoughts are looking like in my private time is because, and how do I get there? Well, it's because my goal is to not see life as a big, fat sacrifice to be here. And how I'm doing that now is being okay with exactly where I am and not judging what I'm doing, how things look, and, um, and, and being grateful uh, more and more. So I have a lot of body issues, uh, food addiction. Boy, that's a, that's a, for me, it's been intense, um, great separation from everybody. And um, so... I, uh, I'm healing that, uh, and I'm noticing <clears throat> more and more with, with connecting to my heart and mind um, the truth about myself and having Christ's vision for me, not just for my clients, my friends and family. And it just takes a switch of focus. And that action of vision feels like I drop into my heart, um, and there's that sense of invulnerability, and and my heart and mind are connected. You can feel it. It's like this: you're turning the dirt in this beautiful uh, field of uh, a potential uh, uh, growth. And, um, anyways, with that, I'm complete. Thank you for for being here. Oh, thanks for sharing your process, Jennifer. 
Very beautiful. Thank you, Jennifer. Oh, that was just a beautiful walk, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. I thought many of the things you said were so um, relevant, you know, and practical and really, really beautiful. Thank you so much. I love you, too. Yeah, thank you for returning to Christ's vision. Yeah. yeah. Is there anyone who hasn't had a chance who'd like to share? Well, this is Ida. Hi. Uh, um, right now, today, I'm intending to be the whole instead of just a part of the whole. Since we really are one, since the Course says it this way, it says all minds are joined. And our bodies are not even real when the people died this year that I knew and loved I got to feel that Um, but that wasn't the real part of them so I'm trying when he says all minds are joined he's saying all of us are joined in every way because that's all we are is minds in and as a part of God's mind. So, I may not have too much to say about my personal life, not because it's a big secret, but because I'm attempting to go beyond the personal to see things with the scope of, of and with the help of the Holy Spirit in the, the large picture of what it all really is. Thank you so much. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. I love you. Thank you, Ida. Yes, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. This is is Fran. I have just a small little share. (laughs) My brother passed last week. And I was in the room with him when he passed. I had my hand on his heart, my little brother. (laughs) And it was just made me so sad, and I couldn't shake it. And um, my daughter later that day took us out, all of us out to dinner. And I was sitting next to my grandson, and I was talking about my brother and how sad it was. And all of a sudden, my grandson turned to me and said, Fran, we're not our bodies. (laughs) I was like, wow, you never know where guidance comes from. That was amazing for a kid to say that to me. (laughs) I loved it. It made all the difference. Guidance comes from everywhere. I'm complete. Thank you. 
Oh, that was beautiful, friend. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Oh, Thank you, friend. Thank you, I just love hearing from you so much. I think he's coming in with a lot of knowledge these days. And um, almost 20 years ago, when my oldest son, who's 41 now, was a lot younger, um, and his, his grandfather, my father, died. He told us later that he had had a dream that night that his grandpa had told him that he was happy and he was in a good place and tell the family. So he did, which is how I found out. Now, since then, he's forgotten that dream. I tried to, you know, remind him of it a few times, but um, but it did happen. And you never know where and how these things are going to take place. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Ida. Oh, thank you. I, this is I just quickly, it just reminded me um, when uh, a few days, maybe it was a week after my husband transitioned, my daughter, who was only seven at the time, um, it was in the afternoon, she came running into the kitchen and, and she said, um, Mom, I saw Daddy was sitting in his chair and he he said how much he loved me, and he gets to come back again. And, you know, my daughter knew nothing about reincarnation or anything of like that, but she says he's coming back again. And, um, and I knew that her experience was real, that she was seeing beyond the veil, and she did have a visitation from her father, and it was so beautiful. And the other thing is that um, right above his chair in the living room or in the family room, there appeared a rain, a little prism, like a rainbow. And my daughter and I had no memories of it ever being there before. And it, it didn't matter what the weather was or what time of day it was. There was this little prism on the ceiling above his chair, and it stayed there for several weeks as if he was just, <laughs> you know, hanging around watching out for us during that time of his transition. So it's, um, you know, spirit, you know, our loved ones, they never leave us. They're always there. I'm complete. But thank you, Fran. That was oh, truly beautiful. beautiful. What you shared. Thank you. Thank you. This is Jennifer. Thank you, guys. You know, something just came to my mind just now, um, and it's uh, in the grieving process, you've got who is past that you have a connection with hanging out with you. It's no wonder you're, you're sad because that person is, is with you in spirit even though they're not in the body, it's very much felt but not necessarily understood. And if we could flip it and, and, and embrace knowing that every time you feel or think of them, maybe understand that they're actually right there. Um, I've been in a car and you know, driving, no one's in the car, and I'll just say, 
I can feel the person because I'm really sensitive I'm, or, and I can validate my sensitivity. <clears throat> and we are all sensitive. We all have this ability. But, <clears throat> and um, I'll say, can you hold my hand? And sometimes I can feel it. So honor, honor this time. It's precious. Your sadness, your yearning for a connection beyond this is not just about them leaving, but it's also like, like Ida said, you're yearning for the understanding of eternity and that which you are. There's so much opening up for you <clears throat> in this experience, and I look forward to hearing about it. Amen. Well, thank you. Um, Thanks for that. Good morning. You've pulled Patricia up under out of her covers over here to share the word in my new dictionary. Uh, just yesterday presented itself since I just came out of a three week kind of fever and uh, illness that um, many people reflected. Oh, oh, what suffering, honey. How are you doing? And the truth was, to the second, I remember it so clearly now, because yesterday was my first day out of the house. So now I have this experience of freshness, of something new when you've been so ill that you don't know if you're coming out of it and then you do. And then you get a chance again. Everything's kind of fresh. And so I heard grace. And then I heard you learned what suffering meant. So those two words, I'll say, suffering, you, I could describe this last month as more than could ever have been with all the... Um, Things that the body can do when it doesn't want food and it wants food and when it doesn't want water and it wants water and it's just, there's nothing to do but surrender. It was when I let everybody know, when I canceled that woman's retreat that I was going to, when I canceled everything and I canceled it unconditionally without saying I don't know when I'll be back, but now I've closed up everything. Suffering ended that second. You guys, it's a kind of a liquid. It was a liquid that was a part of my breath. That's it. When I would breathe in, it wasn't just like pulling in. It was receiving air that was warm and watery. My body loved it so much that I could wrestle with all the symptoms of this past month. And there was no suffering. But it was solely connected for me. It was like a cable 
that would be yanking on every symptom if I had something out there I was promised to do. It was that. Once I cut that cord and said, you guys, everything's off. This is out for now. I rode with something so beautiful in this body without suffering. And I shared a poem. I think about it. But then this week, <clears throat> grief was the word. Some beings and uh, things ended last month. And yesterday, I Patricia, don't you hold back one drop of this grace. It's the new word we're going to put in this dictionary. So the word grace now means this. And I'm just beginning, so I can't say what the whole thing is. But it's stunning when everything has Christ in it. Grief turns out to be this invitation for me right now to feel the shower of what never left and wants to be fused within me. This grief is this deep opening of how much I loved what was there before. It's all the love of the yesterday that wants to shower itself into me now and make me something I wasn't before. Make me something I wasn't before my father died. You know, I got a call on the phone to come to the hospital as my father was there years ago, and I'm in my vehicle, I'm driving to go visit with him, and I hear Patricia, and I'm talking to you, and it was his voice, but, you know, I thought, oh, I'm imagining my dad, and then, hey, hey, I'm talking to you, and then I hear myself say, well, what, while I'm driving, and then I realized the whole vehicle is lit up, and it is my father and changes. I had no idea it was going to feel this good. And it was this Missouri, uh, the hobo dad that I had. He only went through fourth grade. <laughs> and it's a beautiful, powerful man that said, it's all in you, girl. And he said, I said, what, what? And he said, I didn't know this was going to feel so good, Patty. When I arrived at the hospital, my father had passed away. I was driving home, and then I heard myself or my spirit say, hey, Dad, was that you? Are you talking to me? What that what? He said, hey, you're the only one that I knew could hear me. Let me say one more thing. Six months later or so, no, it was a year later, 
my daughter, who's a very, very, like, black and white person, and she says, Mom, Grandpa's in my dreams almost every night. And finally, I, I was in my dream saying, why are you in my dreams? And you're dead. Mom told me, well, you're the only one who can hear me, but I had to pretend to die. And you're the one who can hear me. Would you please tell Patricia to continue the work she's doing? She's uncovering things I can't do. When my daughter called me to tell me this dream she had, I was about ready to quit. I was realizing this constant thing, and it was too much for me. All I had to hear was that my daughter's voice, who would like the share here when the son said we are not the body, you guys. They're learning through the way we live and not what we say. Because it was my daughter's voice saying, Mom, i got to tell you this. She wouldn't believe a word of it or tell a friend about it. But I stayed on my task that because of that. And I learned and benefited. And the grief that we may be receiving with change will open this constant that we think we have to work for. I tell you now, I'm just told, grace is to be received as what you love so much that you will be living those qualities that you thought had lost you. And let the grateful go away and come back when there's more to receive that never left. And no meaning for grief. Thank you. Oh, Patricia, I can feel myself reach for what you're sharing. And I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Patricia. Um, you come, you're coming in quite muffled, and um, I just wanted to say that because I really want to hang on every word, but I, my heart understood you, though. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer. Oh, yes, and thank you. I have the same experience, Patricia. You're muffled, and it's, it's challenging sometimes to hear. So um, thank you for that. And um, this is Mindy. You reminded me of a time when I was so down that <clears throat> my family put me into a mental institution because I was feeling suicidal, and that certainly didn't help. I wasn't able to sleep. And I remember one night, as I was just falling asleep, I felt the presence of a man sitting at the side of my bed did not open my eyes, but I opened my spiritual eye, and it was Jesus. And wordless, word, wordlessly, he was saying to me, it's going to be all right. And just um, 
was there for a little while, just emanating this reassurance and this love. And that was all I needed to move on. And that's the first time I've ever felt him and seen him um, and felt him and seen him both and heard him. And actually the only time that I've actually seen him and heard him and felt him, but it was enough. And I think it's lasted 25 years longer than that, actually. And um, it's just amazing when the spiritual side reaches out to us. And for those of you who don't know, supposedly the veil between the spiritual world or the spirit world where our loved ones go and us is, is, is closer. It's like it's lifted. We're in a vibration right now that is closer to the vibration of spirit because of the darkness. And, uh, so if there's ever a time you want to connect with someone who's passed or a spiritual master, now would be the time to meditate and ask for that and open and receive. And, um, if we don't particularly have a need for a reassurance, we can ask for them to to bless the world because they can only do what we ask. At least angels, from what I understand. Well, thank you. I'm complete. <laughs> Got a praying kitty. I don't know if you can hear me just landing on the phone. <laughs> it's just time to shut up and relax. I'm complete. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. It's making me laugh, so I, I think I can share it. It's a little song in my head. We're going overtime, and I don't care. We're going over. <laughs> anyway, um, and rather than you know ask you directly, Lori, I think what I'll do is, is go go now, <laughs> not go away, but go with kind of what I've been given to weave together or pull out or maybe make clear um, that, you know, this thing of, of sacrifice, <clears throat> that sacrifice must have been preceded by judgment. The decision to reject, throw away, or to uh, to kill off. Um, or even simply, you know, or to get rid of. That something must go in order for what? And uh, I think this idea of sacrifice is, is essential to what it talks about, how we split ourselves into levels. And, and that we've, we create levels of 
above and below what we view as our perfect self, and then we defend it. But, you know, what what so many of the shares today have, have make it clear that it's not that that holiness, that unity, that connection is doesn't need defense. It it only needs expression. And, and that that's really um I think what is behind or contained in the lesson. So I'll just touch on that here while I let the cat out. This thing of letting Christ's vision rest on or show all things. He's equated here with judging them not and offering a miracle instead. And, you know, it's so, so tempting when we see something that is pretty clearly not an expression of love, like a war or something more personal, a uh, 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 contention or dissension right in front of us in life that, you know, the key to remaining with the Spirit is to let, let, let Christ's vision look upon all things. And that the only, you know, that, that in not to say it in, in chapter eleven, God's plan for salvation, um, what we're offered as a replacement for our propensity to judge and demand sacrifice is the judgment of the Holy Spirit. And so I'll read a few sentences from eleven three. There is but one interpretation of all motivation that makes any sense. And because it is the Holy Spirit's judgment, it requires no effort at all on your part. Uh, Interject here. Again, letting it happen. Right. And so, this Holy Spirit's judgment is Every loving thought is true. Everything else is an appeal for healing and help. That's what it is, regardless of the form it takes. So. And this experience of feeling called to judge and separate and sacrifice some to protect the rest, sacrifice some for now to get more later, or however that appears. Um, What the lesson says is 
don't go into that judgment, but offer the miracle instead. And it is, it is a total thing. Um, but I really love the the way the shares brought it out that, you know, it's kind of already there, but we're not usually listening, right? So, uh, from, uh, I think, one place that this is also made clear is in Lesson 135. That all your defenses, all our defenses, have been aimed at not receiving what we will receive today. And in the light and joy of simple truth, you will but wonder why you ever thought you must be defended from relief. Heaven asks nothing. It is hell that makes extravagant demands for sacrifice. You give up nothing in these times today when undefended you present yourself to your creator as you really are. He has remembered us. Today we will remember him. And uh, I think I'll, I'll stop there except to point at the what is a miracle? You know, miracles are like drops of rain on a dry and dusty world. And so uh, there is a chance at every every turn to, you know, see the miracle and share in it. Because that's all, it, that's all the loving thoughts call for. Or if you're just seeing that somebody's stirring up the dust, well then let that be a call to bring the drops of rain that are miracles and share them. <laughs> that, that's all that's needed to grow a new world. And uh, yeah. I'm complete there. Do you have Beautiful. something you'd like to offer in closing, Lori? Um, well, I'll tell you what I heard today. Sure. I, I was told this morning in my meditation to let my mind be taught about sacrifice. And, and so I've listened really intently. And what I gather is that sacrifice is nothing and nowhere. And God is everything and everywhere. And um, and in particular, I was led to this. Listen, perhaps you can a hint of an ancient state not quite forgotten. Dim, perhaps, and yet not altogether unfamiliar, like a song whose name is long forgotten. And the circumstances in which you heard it completely unremembered. Not the whole song has stayed with you, but just a little wisp of melody attached not to a person or a place or anything in particular. But you remember 
from just this little part. How lovely was the song, and how wonderful was the setting where you heard it, and how you loved those who were with you there and listened with you. Um, To me, Christ's vision is no more simple than to defer. And uh, later, Amy, I'll share a meditation that helps me with that. Uh, But when I defer and I'm having difficulty, I say simply, give me your blessing, Holy Son of God. For I would behold you, 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 everywhere with the eyes of Christ and see my perfect sinlessness in you. That's how I remember the love. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Moin. Thank you, everyone. Gorgeous call. Mm, thank you, Lori. Beautiful, beautiful call. Thank you so much, everyone. We loved it. The chorus line, I see my sinlessness in you. Your voice is eternal now in me. Thank you, Lori. Don't we just raise the vibration now? Thank you, one mind. Well, thank you all very much for being here and sharing in this. At this point, I will stop recording, but we'll carry on. There we go.